Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast. Today we will discuss the ebbs and flows of our topic, The New Frontier, a Virtual Continuum. I am Samantha Hedgepeth, and we welcome Richard Moran, an investor, author, and an evangelist for organizational effectiveness. Richard has eight best-selling books and is credited with starting the genre of business bullet books with never confuse a memo with reality. He is frequently a speaker on workplace issues and host a syndicated weekend radio show on CBS called In the Workplace. Welcome, Richard Moran. Please say hello to our listening audience. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, today we take a deep dive into the permanence of the virtual work environment with Richard and look forward to his seasoned expertise. So let's begin. Many organizations have already extended work from home policies. For many industries, this approach is not practical or even possible. But for those jobs that can be fulfilled virtually, should organizations allow employees to permanently work from home? If so, then why? Well, that is a complicated question, and I will do my best to answer uh, as directly and, and honestly as, as, as what I'm hearing from, from people who are, who are out there working. The answer is it depends. But there's one thing I know, and that is um, we're not going to go back in any, in any sense or form to, to the way it was. Um, I have found that organizations work things out. If there's an earthquake in San Francisco, organizations work it out. If there's a hurricane in, in the South, people, you know, organizations work it out. And the same is happening with working from home. Every survey I see uh, tells me that we're not going back full time the way it was. Every survey I see really focuses on some people want to go back, but not a big percentage. Some people want to work from home all the time, but not a big percentage. And the biggest percentage of people want an, a hybrid of working from home and showing up. And I think that creates uh, challenges for the organization. But what it really tells the organization is that uh, people want to be flexible. People are are uh, believe that they can be productive wherever they are. And I think organizations are going to have to let them do that, whether or not they want to. And those who are planning ahead are the ones that are uh, determining what flexibility means. Someday there will be a vaccine. Someday there will be the option to go back to work full time. But I don't think, I don't think that's, that's realistic for now. Talking about surveys, a recent Gallup poll showed that most people who shifted to working from home want to continue after that crisis subsides. So I heard you mention, you know, the hybrid model, Um, but there may be, I guess, a certain people who don't want to go in the office at all and then some who do. Please share your insight on the pros and cons uh, of returning to the office at all. The surveys are all very consistent about no one wants to uh, go back full time, but I think organizations need to be uh, really creative about what that means. So, for example, I saw a survey where um, one of the reasons why uh, people don't want to go back full time 
is because they don't want to commute. They don't want to get in their car and sit there for for an hour one way going back and forth. But I think uh, the the message there uh, to organizations needs to be really dissected. So I think that commuting is a great, great example. When people stopped commuting, they got a raise. And I think organizations are finally realizing the reason why employees don't want to commute is because they're not paying for tolls. They're not paying for gas. They're not paying for upkeep on their car. They're not paying for the $6 latte on the way that they drink. So employees are looking at commuting uh, as part of the compensation structure. So when when people go back to work full-time, they're in effect taking a pay cut. And I think those are the kinds of things that organizations need to double click on when it comes to returning to work or, or working from home. And I know some Google employees um, who always had free meals, free breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're still mad that they're not getting compensated. Now they have to pay for their own food. So there's, it's, it's more complicated than let's just go, let's all just go back and pretend nothing ever happened. What, when we go back, as I've been saying all along, it's a brand new world and it's going to take a really creative and uh, I, I think sensitive, dare I use that word, organization that's going to figure out how to do that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, we'll have to take it just one day at a time. Um, but you segued away perfectly into my next question um, because you talked about pros and cons of going back into the office or working from home, but specifically working from home. Should organizations give a stipend or some type of reimbursement for expenses encouraged by employees working from home, such as an increase in their utilities, um, the setup of ergonomic workstation, and so forth? Every uh, can of worms that, that, that you're opening, Samantha, leads to another can of worms. The short answer is no. I mean, but how do you, how do you measure how do you measure that? How do you, you know, should a person, uh, should a, a single mom with two kids at home get the same stipend as uh, a, a young single guy who's in a groovy apartment? Should um, someone who lives uh, around the corner from the office get the same stipend as someone who lives lives far away? It's 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 going to be um, really tricky. But this is another example of how. You know, double clicking on that uh, is going to have implications. So, for example, the the people who want flexibility the most are people with uh, children, especially women with children. And so, you know, does that mean that flexibility is that they come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays? But what if their daycare isn't open on Tuesday? I mean, it's you can you can see how complicated this gets really quickly. So my the, the theme of this whole podcast should be that organizations are going to have to be super attentive to what's going on with their with their workforce and and be very respect respectful and and responsive to what that workforce needs. Yeah, we are um, somewhat like Alice in Wonderland. We're down the hole, and it's just chaotic. I, I want to be optimistic about this. I want to be um, clear that. You know this 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 can be a really good thing. It can be a brand new day. 
I think that, you know, uh, people are Zoom calls and uh, working from home has changed people's expectations even of what, uh, what, what happens in the workplace. We no longer laugh. If I'm on a Zoom call and I see somebody's cat crawling around on their desk, I think that's just part of working from home. I don't, I don't judge them anymore. I think, well, they have a cat. Uh, or a dog, or the dog barking, or the UPS guy at the door, or or whatever it might be. I think working from home has moved us into a new era of, you know, that's that's life. It isn't, you know, it isn't necessarily showing up at from eight thirty to five. It's you know being productive and doing what needs to be done. Yeah. So we get to see the nuances of just life, all the little imperfections with the kitty cats. And other things. <laughs> Hopefully you're not surrounded by 25 cats. Hopefully. <laughs> then that tells a different, a different story. Yeah, yes. or, or the cat should not be playing the piano in the, in the back. <laughs> Most definitely. So what are your thoughts on how the shift to the virtual environment is affecting those in leadership roles? You know, I think the most important lesson from working from home is that leaders it's more difficult. The degree of difficulty in being a leader when everyone is working from home is is higher. Um, it's harder to communicate. It's harder to understand what the nuances of the of the organization are. It's really difficult to understand what the corporate culture is or what it should be. Um, so I think leaders are particularly challenged in this in this new world, and uh, I think leaders sometimes are are opting out. Some leaders are saying, this is not what I signed up for. Others are saying, wow, this is, this is nice. I can, I can work from home too. But I think in general, leaders are, are being really um, uh, strained and tested by working from home. Ironically, in a lot of organizations, um, you know, productivity is up. People are working longer hours when they're working from home. And the measures that are in place still work, even if you're working from home. So whether it's, you know, sales quotas or, you know, manufacturing quotas or whatever it might be, those numbers are are still part of the part of what uh, create the dashboard for leaders. And it's still a thing. It's still accurate. But I think leaders are wrestling with communication. They're they're, uh, wrestling with uh, the culture. They're wrestling with retention, and they're wrestling with, how do I manage people when I have no idea where they are? No, those are all very, very good points. Um, And you see management grappling um, with all of those challenges um, because some are micromanaging. And then, you know, um, but so then they have to work on a higher level of emotional intelligence and building trust. And so that's a whole nother challenge in itself, if, if it did not exist previously. And it's that's all very difficult to do. It's you know, emotional intelligence is is tricky under the best of conditions, but trying to convey it and, and uh, develop it through a laptop is is even harder. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. Do you have any other suggestions or best practices for our listening audience on our topic today? Well, I think one thing that any organization needs to deal with today, you know, here, here's a question that every leader should be able to respond to. 
And that is, is your organization in transition? And any leader who doesn't say yes, I think is, is not understanding how massive these, these changes are. Every organization, every organization basically in the world is going through a transition right now. And when you're going through a transition, it's really easy to define what it used to be. What is more important for organizations and for the leadership is to really define what we want it to be in the future. And that's really tricky. So my, my parting, uh, my, my benediction here is that organizations are in transition. Leaders and, the, and leadership needs to understand what's involved in that transition and what you want the organization to be on the other side of the transition and really work hard to make that happen because this, this period that we're in of COVID and craziness is not going to last forever. And you need to plan for what it will be on the other side. Definitely. Well, this has been a very informative discussion with plenty of takeaways and next steps for organizations in the throes of decision making around working virtually permanently. Before we go, do you want to share with our listening audience a high level overview of your latest book, Trump at Work? Sure. Yeah. Um, one day I looked at the bestseller list of the, of the 10 top bestsellers. Um, five of them were about uh, President Trump and four of them were not favorable. And one of them was that trend stuck. And I, I looked at it and I said, well, there are lessons to be learned about leadership from the way the president is behaving. And what should we take away from his from, from the president's current uh, behavior. For example, leaders are taught that it, it's a very important to gain consensus from others before you make decision. And, um, and President Trump chose not to get consensus. He just acted unilaterally. Is that good or bad? Can we learn a lesson from that? And I tried to bring out in, in the book all those kinds of rhetorical questions uh, about leadership. So it's not, the book does not bash the president. It does not support him. It raises questions about uh, leadership under, uh, you know, he, he raised a lot of questions about leadership and I wanted to explore them so that people could make their own answers and make their own decisions. It was a fun book to write. Yes, I could tell by reading it because I thought as I was reading it, I thought that this is material that probably should be um, textbook and available to further generations because you did keep a neutral position and you just basically looked at characteristics and behaviors um, actions of leadership. And then you talked about, you know, what is what is the good, the bad and the ugly around those behaviors and actions? He's testing us. Another good example I, I like to bring up is um, leaders are taught that they uh, need to win over the, the, the people who don't support them. And the president chose not to spend any time with people who didn't support him. He only worked with his supporters. So is that a good takeaway for future leaders? Time will tell. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that it was a phenomenal read. And thank you so much. And please continue uh, to keep us, you know, uh, abreast of all of your writings. So if our listening audience wants to contact you for further guidance, services or to purchase your books, how may they reach you? 
Well, the book is readily available on Amazon, and um, you can probably order it in bookstores if, if bookstores ever reopen full-time. Um, and I can be reached readily. I have a, 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 a website, and my uh, email is richard.a.moran at gmail. But a, an easier way, and this, I would refer people to my LinkedIn um, posts. Um, because they're, pro- I try to make them provocative. Um, they, um, as LinkedIn told me as an influencer that I, I operate in the white space of, of management, uh, because uh, I just did a whole series of LinkedIn posts on, on the word, whatever, as in we should, no one should ever say the word, whatever, because it defers a decision and you should clarify your options and then make one. And whenever you say the word, whatever, you're not making a decision. So I, I would push people to my link to my LinkedIn posts. I have hundred thousand fifty, I don't know how many followers. And so go there and uh, follow me. And, but if you make a comment, make, make a nice comment, not, not a critical one. Great. Thank you so much for all of your time today. We really enjoyed your invaluable insight. So in closing, thank you once again, uh, our listening audience. Thank you, Dr. Moran, for your support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations, North Central University. We truly have appreciated all of your insight and your humor and best practices shared today. 